Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger's Syndrome, also called Autism Spectrum Disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome. I'm your host, John Allen, and this is Aspieland, a place where both Aspies and neurotypicals alike can gain commonality through discovery. Now, the idea here is to learn about each other and understand each other so that we can coexist and grow together through great relationships. If you're new to this podcast, please know that you're in a place of acceptance. I want to help you understand the Aspie world and the neurotypical world as well. I'm so excited that our friends Michael and Carrie Donnell are back with us to continue their story about raising a boy diagnosed on the spectrum. Being parents in the autistic world can be really challenging, and their story is just so inspiring. If you're listening for the first time, I would strongly encourage you to listen to the first part of this conversation, which would be the episode just before this one, before listening to this one. That way, you don't miss anything. Before we begin, let me remind you that if you'd like to comment on the podcast, you can now do that via the website. The subscribe page is now geared so that you can comment on any of the podcasts. If you have questions or you just want to say hi, you can still email me at aspieland.org at gmail.com. Let me give you that again. That's aspieland.org at gmail.com. Okay, having said all that, let's get back to our conversation about the game-changing life of autism. In my last podcast, I talked a lot about nonverbal communication. Now, do you have a lot of trouble with that? I mean, like recognizing nonverbals. I have tr a lot of trouble with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he would admit, too, that social situations are not his forte because it's that reading the cues reading, being able to read the situation. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest hiccups. Okay. Yeah, him being able to read the room, him being able to read read his friends' facial expressions or, or being able to read people's responses to him. Tone of voice is, 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 is a big thing that, that he's learned and is still learning yeah, just social interactions, how to respond, when to respond, how not to respond, is something that he is continually growing and, and, and trying to figure out. But it's not just friends. I mean, it's with Michael and I, too. Sure. He'll, he'll say something and we'll answer, and he'll say, are you mad? And I'm like, no, this is my resting face. You know, like, I'm not mad. I just answered your question and... We get that a lot. No, 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 no. Are you no, mad? No. Are you mad? Are you no, mad? this is my resting face, kid. <laughs> no, son, we're not mad. I just answered your question. <laughs> okay, how did you have to change the game plan a little bit when it came to social interaction for him? Um, I can tell you now, the kid does not know a stranger. I mean, he'd be willing to talk to anybody, even at an early age, so much so that um, when we would go to different I just remember speech therapy. He would talk to whomever on the elevator. Hi, my name's Dylan. You know, and which isn't a bad thing, but we really had to talk to him about strangers. 
just because they're on the elevator with you doesn't mean that they're your friend. You know, you stay close to mom and dad. And so that was different because most kids have that fear first where he did not. Dylan socially has always been around adults. He never grew up with kid friend groups and the, the kids just didn't know how to how respond, to take him or yeah. respond that they, they didn't know how to interact with him. Uh, so Dylan has always grown up around adults. I mean, still today he feels very comfortable and at and at home being around adults. But but now he is okay with hanging out with with kids. What, what, like younger kids. Like young, like long, younger kids, yeah. He can be around adults and be perfectly fine. He can be around kids and be perfectly fine. It's the in-between that has been a challenge for him as of lately is how to interact with his own peer group. And, and, and thankfully, this year, he's had a lot more wins as far as hanging out with and developing a friend group with, 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 uh, with teens his own age. Okay, let me ask you, what about school? Did he have much trouble in school? Uh -uh. He's, he's still in school. So. Yeah, right. He's, he's never had any trouble at, at school whatsoever. That's been a strength, definitely, yeah. for him. He's definitely the, the smartest Donnell that has. Speak for yourself. <laughs> um, straight A's every single year. Has he ever gotten a B? Oh, I think as he a, has. As a final grade? In middle school. There's a switch that kids take. I think it's about eighth grade year that they start focusing on grades. And at that point, he was like, I can't, I can't get a B. And so he'd come home, Mom, my grade dropped. And I'm like, what's your grade now? It's a 93. I'm like, you're grounded till it's 100. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He just, he's just one of those kids that worries about it, and he doesn't really need to. Even in some of the subjects that don't come natural to him, Mm -hmm. Math is one of those subjects that has always been natural to him. A subject that, that, that hasn't been natural to him would, would be science. Yeah. That's um, always been a struggle for him. And uh, he's worked hard to maintain a, a certain expectation that he's, that he's going to succeed, even though he, he may not enjoy it. He may not be as, as drawn to it as he, as he is some other subjects. But but he's going to do his best, and he's going to give his all, and he's going to study. And, and that's what he's done with every single subject. Let me ask you, how have you grown as parents because of the autism experience? For, for, for me as a dad, one of the more memorable lessons that I have learned is to get on a kid's level talking with Dylan and interacting with Dylan, even though he's now taller than me uh, by leaps and bounds, I remember having to get down on my knees to get him to look at me in the eyes. And just that entire experience of, of having to do that was such a good thing for me to have to practice doing. Um, instead of standing over him or, or anything like that, getting on his level was just good for me as a dad? Um, I've grown in knowledge in ways like reading things on how to help a child with a disability. It is, it's very rewarding, but it can also be tough. Um, I'm thankful for Michael because I think um, something like this can tear a marriage apart, but it hasn't ours. 
we've, you know, had to really talk through and be on the same page because that's one thing at the beginning I remember saying if if we're not on the same page, one parent's going to do one thing and the other parent's going to do another. And so at least for like communication with us, that's helped. To 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 go back some years when Dylan was first diagnosed. Um my dad passed away uh, in 2006 before Dylan had even been diagnosed. And with, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an only child, I was my dad's shadow. So with my dad passing and with Dylan's diagnosis, that there, there was a roller coaster ride of, of just life transitions and going through seasons of life. Um, but one of the things that always stuck out to me, and I remember, was my dad saying on a number of occasions, Carrie is a really good mama. And he would just repeat, repeat that. Carrie is a really good mama. Just the way in which he watched her react and, and just be a mom to Dylan. But before the word autism even breached our home. And I, I remember that not just being true then, but how it exploded when Dylan was diagnosed and, and when we had to life transition from, okay, now that we know this, this is how we're going to respond and this is how we're going to live. My dad spoke that she's a really good mama into being a truth and a reality for Dylan and for Allie and for Lily. Do you have any suggestions for parents who are just finding out their child has autism? Breathe. <laughs> Take a deep breath. And part of me wants to say, don't say no. If they say, you know, your child needs speech therapy and you don't agree with it, they'll, you know, if they're covering his, the therapies for your child or whatever, what's it going to hurt to see what this therapy does? Occupational therapy, I think, was one that we were on the fence about. And we're like, well, we don't know. Might as well, but it turned out to be, you know, something that he really did need in the long run. We just didn't understand. Yes, yeah, so some of the things that we had to do with occupational therapy after Dylan, this is Dylan was three, four years old. After Dylan would take a bath, one of the things that occupational therapist had us do was massage his, his arms and his shoulders and his calves and his legs um, and do joint compressions. And do joint compressions. And, and those types of exercises benefited him because they calmed him down. At first, we were like, is this really going to work? And, and we saw the fruit of it. Uh, I, I think that's, that, that's, one of the, um, that's one of the blessings of looking back on, on everything that, that we did. Carrie's idea of, of don't say no is, is extremely true. Go and research and advocate, but be your child's advocate because more than likely you're going to be the main one who is going to be advocating for your Mm -hmm. child. Get into occupational therapy, get into speech therapy, take it, ask questions to those therapists about you did this and, and and he or she reacted this way. How can I do this at home? Or even, hey, I've heard about this a lot in the news. Mm. One thing was, you know, children with autism don't need to have gluten. Well, Dylan had a very limited diet. I mean, the kid ate, we call them party pizzas, totina pizzas, waffles, and chicken nuggets, and corn dogs. Those were his four main staples. And the occupant, and I said, okay, I'm hearing a lot of things in the news about, you know, don't give your child with autism gluten. And she was like, you take away the kid's diet. You know, she was like, <laughs> think about what he eats. And she was like, you'll, you're, 
then what are you going to feed him? And so ask them questions, you know, especially if you're hearing things, you know, do you think this would benefit my kid? And then, you know, trust them too, because this is their profession. One of the things that his first preschool teacher told me, and this would be the biggest probably advice we could give anybody, go out and buy a three-inch three-ring binder. Mm. And anything you get, any test results, any any like doctor paper, put it in the binder. Because then when they say, oh, well, we don't know, you can say, I have it here. And I've done that every year since Dylan was three. And I still have all of his binders, I think, up until this point. IEPs for school I put in there, um, report cards, any type of testing he ever had. I mean, it is in there by year. So that way, if they needed something, I could always be like, oh, well, I have my copy here. You know, it, will that work? But that just helps you to stay organized when your life is flipped, you know, and you're... can't tell you how many IEP meetings that, that I was able to be a part of. Where Carrie would show up with that binder, and and the teachers or the the specialist that was in the room would be beyond impressed because there there wasn't any guessing there there wasn't even sitting back trying to to, to think through stuff. It was no, I I actually have this physical record r- r- right here. Yeah. Th- this is just Carrie and I, and and we. If any parent came up to us and asked our opinion about medication, Carrie and I would would both say wait. We're not 100% totally opposed to that, but let that be a last second thing that, that, that you go after. Take advantage of, of the therapies. If your kid is in school and, and they've got a good speech therapist or an occupational therapist, just take advantage of, of, of those. Because for us, we can look back and we can name the therapies and the therapist who hands down help Dylan in significant and meaningful ways. One last question. If you had one thing that you would want the audience to come away with from our talk, what would it be? Michael first. Don't give up. We had at a meeting when Dylan was three or Dylan was four, we had this special meeting um, where it was a room filled with experts. And one expert, was it two experts? He was two. He was two. Um, one expert told us that your son is, is mentally retarded. And, and it was almost as, as if she said it for us to just accept it and to just not really do anything about it. To just accept that your son is, is mentally retarded when he hadn't received a diagnosis of, of retardation. He received a diagnosis of autism. And, and Carrie and I refused to give in to that because we, we knew our son. We refused to give him up and over to that. So don't give up. Just one? Okay, give two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, man, find the things to have joy and laugh at mm. because it's, it's tough. I mean, we're still going through it with Dylan, and there are days where it's heartbreaking to hear some of the things he says, the way he's treated, um, different things, but then we can always find something to laugh about or to find joy in. Undoubtedly, it's, you know, finding joy in our kids, finding joy in our family. Just find those moments. Some of the laughter is er, Carrie and I have stories. I mean, she, she told the story about Bob having his um, having his mouth covered. covered. <laughs> but there's also another story of Dylan sitting on his sitting on his hands. Yeah, and these stories get you through. I mean, you call your families and you tell your friends these stories, and 
you guys laugh. We had gone to the ocean, and we told Dylan, we are not swimming. We're just going to watch the sunset. You can get from your knees down, wet, well. Yeah, right. He ended up getting his shorts wet. So on the way home, he was in the back seat, and we've, we never used the word butt in our house. We've always said bottom, you know. And so he's in the back seat, and Michael and I are talking in the front seat, and all of a sudden he hollers out, we got to get out of his butt. And Michael and I were like, oh, what? You? We don't say that. You know, what are you talking about? He goes, Mommy, I didn't say it. Bob said it. And I was like, oh, no. Bob is really you, and you really said this. He goes, no, Mom, Bob said it because I was sitting on my hands. And so at that point, like, we just busted out into laughter. And I don't know, find, find the humorous things and hold on to those because... I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and uh, answering all this stuff and talking about how you get through all this stuff. I was diagnosed with ASD six months ago, mm. but I'm just going, I'm having to go retrospect mm. back through all of the stuff I went through as a child yeah. and realized I've got to forgive all of this yeah. mm. because it's not their fault. Mm. I thought it was their fault. They treated me that way or it was my fault. I'm at fault because I must be so different, nobody likes me. Mm. And then, but you realize, no, it's not that way. Mm. You just have to accept, look, your brain is wired different. That, I mean, that still means you have value. Mm -hmm. It Absolutely. still means you have worth. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think that's really important for even for, you know, while you're raising uh, an autistic child is that that child still has worth. That child has real value. I mean, there are some, um, now I'm talking Asperger's here, which is a little up further up the spectrum, but still there are people who become great musicians mm -hmm. and composers mm -hmm. and mathematicians and inventors that all had autism spectrum disorder. Right. It's, there is not a limit yeah. for your kids. Right. Yep. One yep. thing... When we finally told Dylan that he had autism, he was talking about being different from his friends. I think he was about fourth grade, third grade. We told him it's not an excuse. We don't, we don't ever want to hear you say, well, I can't because I have autism. That doesn't fly. Autism is a hat you wear like you're a son and you're a brother and, you know, you're a follower of Christ and you have autism, mm -hmm. you know. It's never an excuse. Yeah. Once again, thank you hey John, so very thank much. You. Thank I sure you. appreciate it. Well, John, let, let me yeah, say that sure. um, we are very happy and proud. We feel honored to, to be a part of this conversation. And um, thank you for having us on. I love this. This has been fun. It awesome. really has been. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's kind of intense, but still at the same time, it's real learning that we can use for real life. Absolutely. And I think that's what's important here. Hey, John. You know. Thank you very much. Well, it was a real pleasure having you uh, both on. And that about covers it for this visit. Be sure to listen in next time as Michael and Carrie's son, Dylan, will be joining me as he has agreed to talk about his life with autism. I'm sure you won't want to miss it. Remember to visit the website, that's aspieland.org, without the www in the front. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, and you can leave comments while you're there. Also, let me ask, please, that you'll consider donating to the work here. It would really be a big help in keeping this whole thing running.
Well, so long until next time we visit in Aspie Land. Thanks for listening to the Aspie Land podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.